Hi, Rabbi Schaefer here, and I'm very excited to tell you that the new book, The Ten Really Dumb Mistakes That Very Smart Couples Make, is going to be available this Hanukkah. It's been very, very widely received. We sent out about a thousand pre-publication copies to marriage therapists, people who work with young couples, and the response has been really, truly amazing. Please look for it at the schmooze.com, T-H-E-S-H-M-U-Z.com, or your local Jewish bookstore. At the end of Parsha's bow, the Ramban points out that we have the mitzvah of tefillin. And tefillin, the Ramban explains to us, is one of many, many mitzvahs that are focused on us remembering Yisiyat's Mitzrayim. And he points out that there are 19 discrete mitzvahs circling around this one idea, remember that Hashem took you out of Mitzrayim, remember that you were slaves, remember that Hashem brought the makas, remember that Hashem took you out of Mitzrayim. And the Ramban explains why this concept of Yisiyat's Mitzrayim, of leaving Mitzrayim, is so pivotal. He explains that historically, from the time of Enosh, people began Avodah They began misunderstanding the world. Some people began saying there is no creator, it's just the world is. Some people began saying that Hashem doesn't know man's thoughts. Some people began saying that Hashem just left the world to Mikra, there's no creator who's involved. And then Ramban explains that this was going on and on, worse and worse, until one time in history, Hashem showed the world He is the creator maintainer, and orchestrator of everything that happens. The reason why there are so many mitzvahs that remind us, the reason why we have tefillin that we wear each day around our arm and around our head to constantly put this understanding in our mind that Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim, that this reality happened. And then the Ramban says an incredible line. He says that once a person recognizes the great miracles, once a person studies Kriyas Yamsuf, once a person studies Dam Svardeya, then immediately are the Mode Benistim Anistorim. Then immediately a person is Mode, understands, admits, recognizes the hidden miracles, Shem Yisoda Tarakula, which is the foundation of the entire Torah. And then listen to these words She'ain la Adam Chelek Petoras Moshe Rabbeinu. A man does not have a portion in the Torah of Moshe Rabbeinu, Achenamin, until he believes, Bechol Dvarenu Umikrenu. All of our actions, everything that occurs to us, Shekulam Nisim, they're all miracles. Eim Bem Teva Shel Olam. There's nothing called nature, there's nothing that just occurs. A person doesn't have a portion in Moshe Rabbeinu's Torah until he recognizes that everything that occurs to us, Everything that we're engaged in is miraculous. There is no nature. There is no just things occurring. It's all miracles. It's all Hashem's involvement. There's no Teva and Minoga Olam. And this Ramban is foundational. This Ramban is one of the Asodes of our religion. And that is the understanding that there's no happenstance. Things don't just occur. No just random things happening. Hashem is intimately involved in the runnings of the world, intimately involved in everything that occurs. Hashem is the creator, maintainer, and orchestrator of everything that occurs. 
But again, the Ramban says it in a very powerful way. These are the bedrock foundational points. A person doesn't have a portion in Torah's Moshe Rabbeinu until he understands it. But the Ramban also explained to us that there's a system. You see, the reason why the Torah wants us to constantly think about Yisrael Mitzrayim because by doing that, by recognizing the large miracles, and by seeing the great miracles, that will bring a person to see the Ashkacha. That will bring a person to see the small hidden miracles in my life. When I study Yisrael Mitzrayim, I'll come to recognize Hashem in my world. And while this Ramban is pivotal, and clearly foundational, I'd like to ask what I consider the obvious question on this Ramban. And that is, maybe it's not true. Maybe I'll think about, you see, I'll sit there at the Seder and I'll study Dam, Svardaya, Kinnam, I'll study all the Makas. I'll think about it, contemplate it. But how does that necessarily bring me to recognize that Hashem is involved in running my life? Okay, Hashem runs the big picture issues in the world. Hashem is involved in the global affairs. But who's to say from that automatically that Hashem is involved in my life on a day-to-day basis? I was once speaking to a fellow Arab Rosh Hashanah, and I was speaking about davening, and I said something like, yeah, wow, Rosh Hashanah, davening, so much to daven for, health, well-being, parnasa, you're going to make a living, so many things. And he said, I don't know, listen, I leave Hashem to the big things, health, life and death, parnasa, earning a living, I take care of that myself. And that person has a very skewed version of understanding Hashem's involvement in the world, but that is an Orthodox Jew. And that man clearly davened on Rosh Hashanah. So how does the Ramban say that once I get it, once I realize that Hashem took us Adam Mitzrayim, automatically from the Nisim, from the large miracles, automatically I'm going to see that Hashem is involved in my life, automatically I'm going to see Ashkacha. Maybe I'll remember, you see, it's Mitzrayim, Maybe I'll see Hashem as the one who runs the big picture issues of life. How does that necessarily bring me to understand that Hashem is involved in my life? And I'd like to spend some time focusing on this question because I think this question underscores much of our Emuna system. And as a background, let me just mention in Parsha Shmos, who mentioned that there are four levels to Emuna. The first level of Emuna is knowing that Hashem created the world, knowing that there was nothing absolute absence of anything, Hashem said by He, and the entire world came into being. That's the first level of Amunah. The second level of Amunah we pointed out is knowing that Hashem is involved in the big picture issues of life. Which countries go to war, which countries suffer famine. The third level of Amunah is knowing that Hashem reads my thoughts. That Hashem knows my thoughts as I'm thinking them. That I stand in front of Hashem like that translucent man. When I damage Manasseh, I don't have to speak out my words for Hashem to hear them. I speak out my words to be Yotzei Tfila, but Hashem knows my thoughts as I'm thinking them. That's the third level of Amunah. And the fourth level of Amunah is knowing that Hashem is intimately involved in the runnings of my life. Every day, day to day, all day long. And as the Chobos of Olvas explained to us, the basic underpinning of that is a simple knowledge that no human being can harm me, no human being can help me. You could scheme, you can dream, you can't touch me. You could wish for everything bad to occur to me. If it's not supposed to happen, you will not touch me. I walk around with a loose sight bubble protecting me. You can dream of throwing rocks, you can dream of shooting it, 
but there's a powerful Lucite bubble. There's no Lucite bubble, but that's Hashem guiding me all day, every day. And as you cannot harm me, you can't help me either. My uncle could be the wealthiest fellow in North America. If I'm not supposed to have that money, it'll go in one pocket, go out the other. My uncle could be the head of Sloan Kettering. If my time is up, it's toast. The same way no human being can harm me, no human being can help me, Hashem guides me, Hashem controls the world, Hashem controls my destiny. And that, again, explains the Chavaz of Avos is Emuna, that's understanding Hashem's involvement in the world. And I'd like to point out that if you reach the four levels of Amuna and you spend your life working on it, you could reach the highest levels, and I guarantee that you could be on the front row of Ganadin. Nevertheless, there are another two levels of Amuna, and these other two levels are what I call theoretical. They're not really practical. And they're not really things we live with on a day-to-day basis. And again, if you're unaware of them, and certainly if you don't work on them, you can march right into the front row of Gan Eden. But I believe the fifth and the sixth level of Amuna are very, very eye-opening and help us understand many, many situations that otherwise wouldn't make sense. And to begin opening up this area, the fifth and the sixth level, let me share with you a question. We've all had that moment when it was clear that I'm in big trouble. You're driving down the road, and all of a sudden you see the truck. Oh, my goodness, he's coming at me. Oh, my goodness, ah, he's going to crash. And he's asleep. He's sound asleep. There's nothing you can do. You can't turn over. You can't turn And suddenly he wakes up. Last morning, he wakes up, veers off, and doesn't hit you. We've all had that, or somehow we cried out to Hashem, and somehow Hashem intervened. Hashem saved us. I have a very practical question. How could Hashem save me when Hashem is up there 13 billion light years in the sky? Right now, I'm on the road. That truck is coming at me. How could Hashem, who's so many billions of miles up there in Shemayim, possibly help me when I'm here alone? And that question is a philosophically foolish question because what it underscores is a lack of understanding of Hashem's involvement in the world. Let me explain to you what I mean. It's really a Pasuk in Chumash. The Pasuk says, Vayera elav Hashem mamri. Hashem appeared to Avram. Hashem appeared to Avram. And certainly when you read that Pasuk, it's obvious what happened. Hashem wasn't there, and Hashem showed up. Hashem appeared to Avram. But if you look in the Targum, the Targum says that's false. That's not at all what happened. Is Galilei Hashem. Hashem was there. Hashem was always there. Avram was unaware of that fact. Hashem revealed the fact that he was always there to Avram at that moment. We human beings live in a very darkened, very occluded world. We don't see, we don't recognize. But one of the very basics of our entire immune system is that Hashem is present right here. But not 13 billion miles up there in Shemayim. Hashem, can you hear me? Uh-uh. There as well, but here at the very same moment. Hashem is called Makom, Hashem is called place, because Hashem fills every particle of physicality. If there's an essence of anything in existence, it's because Hashem created it and maintains it. And I'd like to explain to you that concept 
because that concept is philosophically muhrach. And let me explain to you what I mean. If you think about this idea called yesh me'ayin creation, a from nothing something creation, you'll quickly see that it's impossible. I want you to imagine the moment before Hashem said vayihi. If you close your eyes and imagine the moment before Hashem said it should be, and you think about the fact that Hashem said vayihi and a hundred billion galaxies, each containing a hundred billion stars come into existence. If you think about the moment before creation and the moment after, what you'll quickly recognize is that it's physically impossible. You see, if I have sand, I can bake bricks. If I have molecules, I can make sand. If I have atoms, I can make molecules. If I have quarks, I can make atoms. But if there's an absolute absence of physicality, there's nothing there, how could Hashem make something? There's nothing to shape, nothing to mold. There are no quarks, no molecules, no atoms, no sand, nothing. If there's nothing there, what do you shape, what do you mold? What do you, how could you make from nothing something? And when you think about the moment before my Sabratius and the moment after what you quickly come to realize is that creation is vastly different than anything that you and I will ever engage in. When you and I do something creative, we create nothing. We take two pieces of wood, take some nails, bang it together, everything was in existence, and we reshuffled them, we manipulated them, we moved them around. But that's not creation. Yeshmi ayin creation from nothing and something creation is a whole different sort of activity. You see, when Hashem created the world, Hashem is mishave, is the creator. And let me explain what I mean with a simple mushal. Imagine it's a cold February evening. And I'm waiting at the bus stop and I'm shivering. I close my eyes and I just imagine a beautiful beach scene. Ah, white sand, blue ocean, cloudless sky. One lone seagull gently wafts across the sky. Suddenly the bus comes splash. Gone is the sand. Gone is the ocean blue. Gone is the seagull. I am the thinker of the dream. I am the dreamer. As long as I dream of the dream, the dream exists. The minute I stop thinking about it, Gone is the sand, gone is the ocean blue, gone is the seagull. If you'd like to understand Hashem's relationship to creation, Hashem is the mishavah, the one who created and maintains everything in existence. There was absolute nothing, and Hashem said, Vayihi, that a yesh ayin creation requires not just creation, but maintenance of it, keeping it in existence. And Hashem's relationship to the physical world, to the spiritual world, is much like I to the dream. As long as Hashem is mishavet, as long as Hashem keeps in existence, it exists. But the minute that Hashem would cease infusing energy into any particle of existence, it would cease to exist. You know why Hashem is hamakom, the place? Because if there is a place, perforce Hashem is there. Because if Hashem isn't there, it isn't. 
Hashem created and maintained, and anything that exists only exists because Hashem keeps it where it is. And when you think about this concept, it is heady, it is profound. Because what it means is anywhere where my eye sees anything, I see my Creator. A rock means that Hashem created it and maintains it. A tree means that Hashem created it and maintains it. An ocean, a mountain, anything that exists didn't just happen. It can't just happen. From absolute absence of anything, you can have something unless you have Hashem creating, maintaining it, keeping it in existence. And on the simplest level, this is a very heady concept because this is a concept of Shvisi Hashem Lenegdi Samid, knowing that Hashem is present everywhere. Knowing that when I'm in Chadre Chadarim, alone in my bedroom, when no one's here, and no one can read my thoughts, no one knows what I'm saying. Hashem is here, present. And when I'm on that road and I'm alone, I'm not alone. Hashem is there, Hashem is everywhere, <clears throat> Hashem is with me 24-7, 365. Because if Hashem is not there, it isn't there. And this concept is one of the basic understandings of Hashem's relationship to the world. And it also allows us to understand something called Teva. Teva is nature. Nature is an organized, systematic, predictable manner in which Hashem orchestrates the world. When you put a seed into the ground, Hashem wrote the laws of nature. And those laws of nature are that under given circumstances, those cells will divide in this manner, form this cellulose, form this bark, and from that little acorn will come a giant oak tree. But you're watching your Creator bringing it all, keeping it all, and making it all happen. And when you see Mother Nature, what you're seeing is a thin disguise. You're seeing the veil. You're seeing your Creator behind it all, maintaining orchestrating, keeping it all in existence, making it all happen, being there, the energy source. As a matter of fact, one of the names that we use for Hashem, Elohim, means Baal HaKochos Kulam, the energy source of all creations. And we say, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu. We say Hashem, which means God, Elokeinu, our God, the energy source of everything in existence. Because that's what Hashem is. Hashem is the creator and maintainer of everything in existence. And Teva is a guise. Teva is a veil. And Teva is one of the trickiest things in existence because it looks so real. But it isn't. It's Hashem guiding it constantly. And when you understand this concept, A, it's very, very life-changing. You're simply knowing that Hashem is here. And simply knowing that if I see an ocean, simply knowing that if I see a rock, Hashem is here, is powerful, life-changing, because it allows me to understand my relationship to Hashem. Hashem is constantly there. But this concept also allows us to understand many, many more fundamental concepts. And let me share with you a very interesting observation. When you fully understand that everything in creation was created by Hashem and is constantly maintained by Hashem, 
you quickly come to the understanding that free will is a very, very difficult concept. Let me explain to you what I mean. Let's go back to the mushal for a minute. There I am, waiting for the bus. My eyes are closed. I have the beautiful white beach, beautiful blue ocean, cloudless sky, and there's that lone seagull wafting across the sky. Suddenly the seagull says, I want to fly west. But I say to the seagull, "Uh uh-uh, I don't want you flying west, I want you flying east. He said, no, no, I want to fly west. I said, east, west, east, west. (laughs) That can't happen. Why? Because the seagull doesn't exist outside of my will. The seagull exists, thinks, and is because I will it to be. And the seagull cannot go west if I wish it to go east because it has no existence outside of me. So how is it possible for a human being to violate Hashem's will? How is it possible for Hashem to say, I want you to do this, you do that? It's akin to the seagull saying, I want to go west. I say, oh, buddy, you're going east. The seagull has no ability to go west. I'm the controller. I'm the dreamer. I keep him. I keep everything in existence. And the answer to this question is a fundamental understanding of Hashem's relationship to everything in creation. And that is, when Hashem created the world, it was for one purpose, to give us the opportunity to grow, to be challenged, to be tested. And Hashem often gave us this thing called free will. But what free will means is that Hashem says, listen, I'm highly recommending to you that you fly east. It's better for you. It's healthier. You'll do much better. That's my recommendation. If you wish to fly west, I'm going to do it. I'll allow you to do it. But again, I told you to fly east. What that means in plain, simple language is, in the seagull muscle, when it decides to turn west, I have to keep it. I have to maintain it. I have to keep the bird's wings flapping. You see, when Hashem gave us free will, Hashem didn't just create us and say, you're on your own, do what you want. Hashem keeps everything in existence. And that means to say, if Hashem said, don't do this, but Hashem wants to allow us to have free will, it means as I'm doing it, Hashem has to keep me in existence, keep my arms in existence, keep my thinking, and keep me going, moving. And when you realize that, you begin to realize the audacity of sin. Hashem created the whole world for one reason, to give to us. And Hashem gave us a Torah with exact directives for our benefit, not because He needs anything, not because Hashem ever could benefit from it, but strictly for our good. And then Hashem said, do this because it's better for you. And we say, "Uh uh-uh, I want to do something else. And not only can we, but Hashem has to support us and hold us and bring us. And it's as if to say, while Hashem created me and maintains me, as Hashem keeps my arm and my hand in existence, I take that very hand and I slap Hashem if it could be in the face. The audacity of any sin is beyond our understanding. And this is the fifth level of Amuna, Knowing that anything that wasn't in existence requires not just a creator, but a maintainer as well. That Hashem isn't just the creator, but that Hashem is the maintainer of everything in existence. But there's one more level of Amuna that again is theoretical because it's not so practical, but it allows us to understand Hashem's involvement in the world in a much greater way. And to understand the sixth level of Amun, let me ask another question. We had a guy in yeshiva who climbed up a ladder during Manizmanim, working on the roof, and somehow the ladder slipped and he fell down 15 feet, smashed 
onto the floor. The ambulance came, took him to the hospital. The surgeons opened his back. And after the surgery, the surgeon said to him, fellow, you are one lucky guy. One millimeter further, and the spinal cord would have been severed. Happens to be you were lucky when you fell, you just fell in this way, and it didn't cut the spinal cord. One millimeter more, and you would have been toast. And of course, the fellow made a pseudo and everyone's celebrating. Hashem saved them. Look at the miracle. Here's my question. My question is, how could Hashem be so precise? Meaning, I know Hashem is very good at doing that, what Hashem does, but the fellow weighs 150 pounds. He's 15 feet up on a ladder. He's falling down. He's going to crack the fourth vertebrae, but only 1.2 millimeters. The third vertebrae is going to crack a little bit more. The spinal cord, how could Hashem be so exact, so precise? I, I don't get it. How is it possible that Hashem could be so there, involved in every detail, and yet that's something we constantly recognize? And if you'd like to understand that, this is the sixth level of Amuna. The sixth level of Amuna is understanding that Hashem is the creator, maintainer, and orchestrator of everything in existence. And if you'd like to understand it, let's go back to the Moshal for a minute. Imagine that before I dream the dream, I say to the seagull, now listen, Mr. Seagull, I'm warning you, fly east and don't fly west. Because to the west there are very, very dangerous falcons. There are falcons that will destroy you. They will eat you. Listen, heed my words, fly east and do not fly west. Anyway, I start dreaming my dream, and lo and behold, the seagull, instead of flying east, starts flying west. And as he crosses the border, there comes the falcon. And the falcon comes down, rushing at him. And the poor seagull looks up and says, Help! Help! Save me! Save me! In that moment, in that dream, it is absolutely, completely in my volition to keep the seagull alive or to have him be consumed. Because as I am the creator of the seagull, I'm also the creator of the falcon. And as the seagull only exists because I maintain him in existence, so to the falcon only exists because I maintain him in existence. And if you'd like to understand Hashem's relationship to the world, as Hashem is my creator and maintainer, so to Hashem is the creator and maintainer of everything in existence. And Hashem gave us various mitzvahs. And Hashem warned us about various things. And Hashem runs the world in what's called derech ha-teva, in the ways of nature. And Hashem says to stay healthy, and you eat right, you exercise, because that's the derech ha-teva, that's the way I want you to act. And if you don't, there are going to be consequences. If you violate those laws, there are going to be results. And lo and behold, you violate, you don't listen, and the falcon comes. And you cry out to Hashem, Hashem, save me, help me. But I told you not to do it. I know Hashem, I made a mistake, please. At that very moment, of course, Hashem could do exactly that which Hashem wanted. Because Hashem is the creator of you. Hashem is the creator of the falcon. Hashem made the laws. And Hashem could change it. Now, typically, generally, Hashem will not change the laws of nature. But there are many, many times when if you've done your best, and then you tried, and against your will, you ended up in somewhere, and you dominated Hashem, Hashem will save you. And if you'd like to know how, it's really quite simple. Because everything in existence 
only exists because Hashem created and maintains it. And as you exist because Hashem keeps you, the falcon exists because Hashem keeps it. And that's exactly what the Ramban is saying. You know, what the Ramban is saying is the reason why Yesiyah Mitzrayim is so pivotal is because one time for history, Hashem was showing the world, I am the creator, maintainer, and orchestrator of everything. It wasn't just the Mitzrayim, it's the physical world. It wasn't just there, it's the entire world. And what every human being saw and experienced is that Hashem is the Mishava, the creator, maintainer, orchestrator of everything. And what the Ramban is telling us is that when you focus on the Nisim HaMafursamim, the brilliant, big deal miracles, Dam, Svardeya, Kinim, when you study Kriyas Yamsuf, you begin to understand one pivotal concept. Hashem is the creator. Hashem brought everything into existence. Hashem maintained everything. And when you focus on that, you understand that as Hashem exists in Mitzrayim, Hashem exists in North America. As Hashem exists in their Paro's life, Hashem exists in my life. Because if I exist, then Hashem is here. And as, as Hashem runs every part of the world, Hashem runs my world as well. And when you study the Nisim HaMeforsim, when you study the big deal miracles, when you study Kriya Shamsuf, you begin to understand the because you understand that it's the same creator, same physical world, same conditions, and Hashem is there. And if you'd like to understand this in very simple terms, let's take one simple makkah. The first makkah, Dam. The Pasuk says, Dam Bechol Eretz Mitzrayim. Shem says to Moshe, tell Aaron, take that staff and bring it over the mikvahs or the gatherings of water, bring the Nile, and there'll be dam in Mitzrayim. And lo and behold, as soon as Aaron Akoni did it, all of the water in all of Mitzrayim turned into blood. Now the Nile River is huge. The Nile River at some points is two miles wide. It runs 20, 30, 40 feet deep. It produces, flows, trillions of gallons of water a second. It's so much vastness of water, it's beyond description. And in a heartbeat, all over Mitzrayim, the entire land, everything, everywhere, turned from water into blood. But it wasn't just the water in all of the Nile and all the tributaries and everything that run off of it. If a Mitzri had water hidden in a bathtub, it turned into blood. A Mitzri had water somewhere hidden in a jug, it turned into blood. If a Mitzri bit into an apple it turned into blood. But the Svornos makes a very important point. The Svornos says, The fish in the Nile died. And the Svornos explains, why is the Torah telling us that the fish swimming in the Nile River died? He explains, because water is thin, clear, and odorless. And blood is thick, globulous, and it has a stench. And the reason why the Torah is telling us that the fish in the Nile died is because the fish process oxygen through their gills. But water, which is thin, has a low viscosity level, they can breathe. But the blood is so thick that the fish, they died because blood is not water that's colored red. You see, all of the water in Mitzrayim didn't just turn into white water that was dyed. It turned into thick, and globulous, smelly, stench, 
feel blood, thick and odorful. And in a heartbeat, what every Mitzri saw in every part of Mitzrayim is that water is clear, odorless, and exists in that form because Hashem decreed it should be, and it shall remain that way. And the minute that Hashem said it shall be different, the thin water turns into thick, smelly blood. But every Mitzri got to see this. Every Mitzri got to see, no matter where they hid the water, no matter in their bathtubs, no matter where, wherever it was, that water turned into blood. And there was only one way that a Mitzri could buy, drink water, and that was by buying that water from a Jew. And the Medrash is very clear that that's exactly what would happen. The Mitzrim, realizing there was no water to be found, would buy the water from a Jew. And if a Jew had a jug of water and the Mitzri paid for him, and the, the Jew gave that jug of water to the Mitzri, the Mitzri was then able to drink water. However, if the Mitzri didn't pay for it, then the water that he grabbed from the Jew was blood. And I want you to imagine for a minute what that means. Imagine you have Anwar, slave owner, in the field, and lo and behold, just after seven days of warning, Moshe Mena warns and warns and warns, suddenly all of the water and all the Mitzrayim turns into blood, everywhere. And he sees his slave Yitzhak in the field drinking. Come here, boy, what are you doing? Drinking, sir. Give me that cup. And as Yitzhak takes that cup of water and hands it to Anwar, it turns from water into blood. Take that back. And when he gives it back to Yitzhak, it turns from blood into water. Give me it. Water, blood, water, blood. What the Mitzri was seeing was a direct control of every particle physicality. Now, come here, boy. We're going to drink from that cup at the same time. At the very same moment. No tricks. I'm going to whip you. And as Yitzhak drank from that cup clear water, and the Mitzri drank putrid, smelly blood. And when every... Mitri, every Jew, every human being got to see at that moment is that Hashem is the creator, maintainer, and orchestrator of every particle of physicality. And if the mystery didn't pay, or if he tried to take the money back, and that nice clear water suddenly turned back to blood, what the mystery also saw is that Hashem is here. And what every human being alive got to see was this single reality. That Hashem is present. Hashem is the maintainer. And Hashem is the orchestrator of everything that occurs. What the Ramban is telling us is, Yitzhiya's Mitzrayim was a one-time-in-history event. And the reason why we have so many mitzvahs that remind us of it is because we're supposed to contemplate it, supposed to think about it, but not once a year. Not at the Pesach Seder. We're obligated to mention it twice a day in Shema. We have tefillin, we have tzitzitz, we have mezuzah, 19 separate zikarans because it's something that's supposed to be on our mind, something we're supposed to contemplate, think about. Why? Because from the nisim namafusamim, from those very large, powerful miracles, we then get it. We understand that Hashem is the creator, maintainer, orchestrator of everything that exists. And what the Ramban is telling us is a foundational principle. A person has to grow in a muna. And the way a person grows in a muna is, number one, understanding Hashem created the world. That's the first level. Second level of muna is knowing that Hashem runs the big picture issues of life. That Hashem runs, writes the headlines in the New York Times. 
The third level of Muna, knowing that Hashem knows my thoughts as I'm thinking them. The fourth level of Muna is knowing that Hashem is involved in the running of my day-to-day. But if you're curious and you want to know how could it be, how could Hashem be involved in every detail, how could Hashem be involved in my life and His life and that life, and if 200 people are davening, how is it possible that Hashem could hear 200 conversations and paying attention to the past and the future and what's going to be? How is it possible? To understand that, you need to step away from physical confines and you need to step away from the limits of being a human being and you have to move into the fifth and the sixth level of Amuna. The fifth level of Amuna is knowing that nothing can exist without Hashem being the Creator and Mishava. Yesh and from nothing creation means that Hashem didn't just create it, but Hashem keeps an existence. When I take two pieces of wood, they're in existence. I just reshuffle them. If I build a shack somewhere in Utah and I don't show up for 20 years, I expect the shack to be, still be there because I'm not its creator. But when Hashem took from absolute absence of anything, from absolute nothing, Hashem said it should be, that creation is very different than a mortal human creation, and that creation requires mishave, requires keeping in existence, and understanding that Hashem is the one who's mishave, who's not just the creator but maintainer, of physicality is the fifth level of Amuna. And to capsulize it, it's much like I to the seagull. I'm the dreamer of the dream. As long as I dream about the seagull, the seagull exists. So to anything in existence, it's only while Hashem keeps it in existence that it exists. And when you understand the fifth level of Amuna, then you're ready for the sixth level. And the sixth level of Amuna is understanding that nothing in creation can happen outside Hashem's will. As Hashem created the seagull, Hashem created the falcon. As Hashem keeps the seagull, Hashem keeps the falcon. Hashem set certain laws, and Hashem said this is the way of the world. And typically, if you go over the cliff, you're going to die. If you jump off the bridge, you're going to end it. But assuming you do what you're supposed to, you do your best, you're doing as you're supposed to, you certainly can dominate Hashem, and many, many times Hashem will intercede. But how could it be? How could Hashem have such precision? How could Hashem know that the fellow is supposed to fall exactly here to shatter this millimeter of the spine, but not the spinal cord? The answer is because Hashem is right there every moment in creation. Imagine you were to slow down. Imagine we were filming this. Imagine we had a, a casting director, and we had the film crew, and slow motion, the guy was falling. And the director would say, okay, okay, move, okay, okay, I need a little bit of hip lift, hip lift, get a little hip, good, good, shoulder down, a little bit, shoulder down, good, good, slow down, good, I got the guy falling, good, good, 100, good, good, I need that, sh- no, 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 head back a little bit more, more, good, good, okay, as he's about to hit, I need some sound, I need a thud, okay, guys, give me some thud, thud, boom, good, good, I need the legs to drop a little bit more, do you understand that nothing can exist without Hashem keeping it? And as Hashem keeps me in existence, Hashem kept that yeshiva guy in existence. And that means to say every moment of his existence, Hashem is there, keeping him, molding him, keeping him exactly where he should be, and guiding everything that happens under the sun. And when you understand that, you understand Hashem's involvement in the world. We don't live in the fifth and the sixth level of Amunah, but it's eye-opening to understand. The first level is just knowing Hashem's the creator. And the second level is knowing that Hashem runs the big picture issues of life. The third level is where a lot more of the actions at, knowing that Hashem knows my thoughts. The fourth level, in terms of what's practical, Amuna, is knowing that Hashem runs the world. And that's where we live. We live in the first, second, third, and fourth level. And the fifth and sixth level are theoretical. 
But again, as Ramban explains to us, they're pivotal. Because when you understand that Hashem brings great miracles, you also understand the smaller miracles, and that's how you come to understand Hashem's relationship to the world. That's how you ultimately grow in Amuna. That's how you grow to appreciate and recognize your Creator's involvement in the running of the world.